This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Liverpool head to Old Trafford on Sunday looking to maintain their eight-point lead at the top of the Premier League. An 18th consecutive league win is also on the line, which would equal Man City's top-flight record. But bigger than all of that, arguably, is to put Manchester United in their place. It's a rivalry through the ages, perhaps the biggest in world football rather than just in English football, given the global appeal of both clubs. Well, I'm Guy Clark, and here on Blood Red, ahead of Sunday's visit to Old Trafford, we've been along to catch up with a man who lays claim to being the only man to ever cap in both Liverpool and Manchester United, Paul Lintz. We caught up with him down in London to talk through his decision to switch into Milan for Anfield, having of course spent six years at United, as well as his thoughts on the situation of both sides in the modern day. Plus, he tells us whether he thinks this year could be the year that Liverpool lift a league title. So sit back and enjoy as Blood Red catches up with Paul Lintz as we began by reflecting on his memories of turning out for both sides. I think I've had some... Could have bad memories, to be fair. I think, I think to be fair, I think um, I've always I've been fortunate. I've scored against both teams. Uh, I remember playing at um, Old Trafford against for Mate United against Liverpool, uh, beating one nil. Um, corner kick, Dave James in goal was a mate of mine, so got up and rose and flicked it in the back of the net. Uh, one one nil. Um, and then I remember the game when I obviously came back from Inter Milan, uh, played Mate United in the FA Cup at um, Anfield, two one down. I think Dennis Irwin got sent off for kicking the ball away. Um, it was funny though because we, and then we went down the other end and then the ball kind of broke to me in the, at, the, at the Anfield end, the cop. I mean, when you play for Liverpool, you always want to score at the cop. You know, it's, just, it's like a dream, isn't it? You know, to score at the cop. And it came to me and it just put it in the back of the net and I went absolutely mad, started kicking all the ball in and drew 2 2. And I was like absolutely buzzing. And then I just realised when I got the change room, that we had to go back to Old Trafford for the replay and I knew I was going to get some sticks. So it was a bit, bit of sweet, you know. And, um, um, and also, I think probably the biggest game that stands out for me is the 3-3 uh, the at Anfield. Um, got off to a flyer. Um, I think who scored first. I can't remember who scored first. I think Giggs, I'm not sure Giggs has scored. Um, anyway, we scored first anyway and then Giggs chipped the keeper, Bruce. And then Dennis Sermon whipped in a free kick into the top one corner. We were 3-0 up. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, can't get any better than this. And then Nigel Clough scored, and then scored again. And then I remember they had a corner kick from the left-hand side, not in the cup end, at the other end. And um, I can't remember who took it. And I was, it's one of those things I was jumping to get it, and you know, you're just trying to stretch your neck, and you just, I just couldn't get it. It just kind of went right over my head. And I remember Neil Ruddock come running in and smash it in to make it free-free. Uh, it was one. Of, it was probably the best game that I've ever been part of Liverpool Mate United because we absolutely had so many chances. It could, it could have been it could have been about 12-5 to United. We had chances, chances galore, chances galore. But from a game point of view, from a big game point of view, and as you said, when you when you um, <clears throat> look at the Mate United Liverpool games because of the rivalry from the 80s, 90s, obviously those two teams winning most things, uh, it was always a massive, massive game. Um, and there's always kind of battles all over the park because um, there were so many top players. So, but that game in itself is probably the best game that I've ever been party to. Um, um, in that game, shame we didn't win it, but it was it was a great great game. And uh, it's funny now because nowadays when you kind of look at the game on Sunday and you think it's a giant of a game, well, it, it's it, for me it, it is by names, it is by history. It's, it's not actually by. 
um, if I was to say to you now, right, pick out the battles in the park, the best, you know, you don't really get them no more because the players are not like that no more. It wasn't like you had like Keane and me and Gerard and you know people like Patrick Vieira and Petit. There was battles in all those games, you know. Um, these games don't really do that. I mean, the amount of times I've seen mate United Liverpool games, you know, even last year at Old Trafford, um, which was nil nil, it was just it was boring, you know. The free one at Anfield where Liverpool, well, we know part of the bus really, didn't he? Um, so they're not they're not the, the games that you, you expect to when you look at those two teams because now they're in Sunday's games completely different from a different point of view. It's more an interest to see how Man United are going to cope with Liverpool because Liverpool are the best team and. I think when I play for Man United, we always expected to beat Liverpool because we're the best team. And I think when I played for Liverpool, we expected to lose to Man United because they had probably the best team. Um, this is probably a, a time now where everyone expects Liverpool to win because Liverpool are the, are the, are the best team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. 97, obviously, you came back from your time in Italy yeah. to join Liverpool. How did that come about? And obviously, you mentioned before, you're one of the select few players to play for both clubs. Who so mm. was the first person you sort of let know? And what was their reaction when you said, "Obviously, I played for Man United. I'm joining Liverpool." Well, to be fair, I think it was it was quite strange, really, because obviously I'd um, I don't think I I could have gone because when you do go across the divide, I don't think I could have gone from Manchester United straight to Liverpool because no, people don't do that. I know Michael Owen went from Liverpool to Man United, but I don't think anyone else has actually done it. To be fair, um, so whether I could have gone from Man United to Liverpool, I'm not too sure. Um, the fact that I went to Italy for two years um, and I would have stayed longer um, I had a five year contract um, and then after two years it was a bit of a struggle for the wife Thomas was only five the eldest one um, and the language was a bit of a problem not for me I was speaking fluent Italian so it was right for me but just for settling because when you play for Inter or when you play for Italian teams they only look stock and barrel so it, <clears throat> You need training ground. You stay in the training ground. You go to fans forums, and so they kind of oh, you're always away from home. And then I think after year two, um, Claire said, Claire, I think my wife caught Bell's palsy, and I was away in um, training with Inter, and I didn't, they didn't really do enough to help her. So she ended up being a club doctor, sold England doctor, because we was playing international week the week after, and he got on a plane straight into the hospital, and, and she was pregnant at the time, uh, my second son Daniel. And so after that, she kind of lost kind of the love for it. You know what I mean? We went back, and then she said to me, "Oh, you know, I want to go back home." So I was like, "Jesus!" Because <laughs> I was having a whale at the time. You know what I mean? I was loving it. You know, I was playing. The fans were fans were loving me. The owner <clears throat> adored me. Must be Marathi. Um, even when I was crapping games, you know what I mean? I was the fans thought I was good. You know, the food was great. Everything about Italy was fantastic. We just signed um, Ronaldo for the next season. So I'm thinking, wow, Ronaldo, I've got to play Ronaldo. So that's, that's where I was, you know, that's where I was. Um, so then I, I said to Claire, listen, I'm going to have to speak to the, the owner, Massimo Marati. He was devastated, trying everything, every, everything to keep me, to give me a 10-year contract. And anything I wanted, I could have got. But it was more of a family decision. Um, so I spoke to my agent, um, Steve Cutton, I said, listen, I'm, can I Claire wants to come back? Um, just see what's, what's out there, you know what I mean? I hadn't made my mind out for sure. Um, and then with about a week, I got a phone call from um, Reed Hullet, telling me to come to Chelsea. Um, 
I didn't want to go back to London because I'd spent like six great years at United up in the north and I kind of felt, you know, it was a bit more quiet than London and it was a nice place to bring my kids up. Um, and then I got a phone call about two days later from Peter Robertson, who was the chairman at the time at, um, at Liverpool. Uh, and he said, listen, I'm a spoke to Steve. There's um, an interest that you might come back. I said, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Explain the reasons why I was thinking about it. I said, not made a decision yet. He said, well, can I jump on the plane and see you? So within the day, he was sitting in my apartment, took him to the restaurant, we chat, we spoke. Um, and after that, I said, right, that's the club for me, you know, because it wasn't just a fact, <clears throat> uh, it was Liverpool, it was a fact that I knew most of the players there. So it would have been easy for me to settle in. You know, John Barnes was there, Mickey T was there, you know, Macca, people that I've been at England with, you know, Robbie, so David James. So it wasn't hard for me to settle in. So that, that was probably the reason why, you know, I went to Liverpool. And I never actually thought about the divide, you know, I never thought about, well, because I'd gone to Inter first, it, 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 it was one of them, I, you know, mate, no, had, had, had first option on me to come back. And they could have took it up and they didn't, you know. Not to say I would have gone to Manchester United because you never go back a second time. But I just felt Liverpool were a club where they had some very, very exciting players. You know, you had Michael Owen coming through as a young kid. Um, and I just felt they needed to something different, that kind of changing attitude and changing mindset. You know, because they hadn't won for anything for years, you know what I mean? And they wanted to win a title and I just felt they needed someone who'd been there, done it, let them know what it takes to win a title and how you've got to kind of present yourself, you know, what you've got to do in training, you know, that, that type of stuff that you've got to do to, if you want to be a winner, but you all got to do it, you're kind of just half doing it. So I thought it was kind of a, um, a project for me to go and try and do that and change the way the Liverpool players were thinking, because I just felt they were good players, but they just want, so half of them just wanted to go out all the time and, you know, I just thought that, that wasn't the way. I don't want players going out because we went out at Manchester United and Inter. But I just felt they needed that professional on, on the pitch where they did everything right, you know what I mean, wanted to improve themselves, get themselves better. Um, so it, it was probably the right move for me to do because it was quite exciting. And I kind of felt that the Liverpool fans are all great football fans. They're not just, you know, I thought they knew, they understood football. They're great people. Liverpool are great people anyway, you know, just in general. They're always happy, always bubbly. And I just felt if anyone was going to accept me, it would have been the Liverpool fans, you know. Um, and so all, all the boxes were kind of ticked to go to Liverpool, to be honest. You've got a list of role of honours that mm-hmm. few people in the game can compare with, team of the decade, mm-hmm. Premier League titles. Those two years at Liverpool, does it rankle you at all that you couldn't get a, an honour, couldn't get a trophy during that time you mentioned coming in and sort of trying to add that professionalism? Yeah, it, it, it does, to be fair, because I kind of felt that we had the team. Um, I mean, no disrespect, I felt we finished third and fourth in the two years. I think if I'm right, I might be wrong. And that would have been a really equivalent to Champions League now. You know, it was something that wasn't around at the time. Um, and yeah, it did, because I think under Roy Evans, I think we, we had someone who was, I thought was perfect for the club. I thought um, when Hule came in and they worked together, it never really could work because we didn't know who exactly was the manager. Um, but I also felt that we had, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a very talented team. You know, I didn't think... When I look at my team now, it was me and Jamie Redknapp in midfield, Patrick Berger, McManaman. I think we scored the most goals in that league, the four of us, in, the, in those roles. And then we've got Michael up front, Robbie Fowler, then Riedler. So we had some top, top players. I think at the back, we never got it right. You know, I think if I look at the team, Liverpool team now, and I think if we had that back five, you know, we would have won the title after title after title. 
because I think the rest of the team was, was pretty much in order, you know. Um, so that, that kind of um, wrangles with me a bit, you know. And also the fact that, you know, I was there for two years, I should have been there longer. You know, I think Hulay took over and then I found out he was trying to sell, sign Mark, Mark Vivinfo. He passed away, obviously, so um, behind me back and wasn't happy with that, you know. So when I went in to see him, pre-season he was saying yeah well we'll try to sign him in but it's not to replace you and I said well you should have let me know I'm the captain of the club you've got to do things a bit better than that and I just kind of didn't feel it was right to be there you know and that's why I left but you know I didn't want to leave you know, that's the last one you know I was living in, in the world so I was happy you know my kids were at school didn't want to leave um, but I just felt that the way it was done behind my back that you know I had no choice you mentioned obviously when you played for Liverpool they've been waiting for so long and, and still are of course to mm. win a league title but when you look at Manchester United and like Liverpool through the 70s and 80s United through the 90s and noughties mm. are you surprised that the last seven years certainly how far they've now fallen away from what they had under Sir Alex? I think it shows you um, you know in the seven years since 2013 since he's left how special he was and how great he was and how he was great at building teams but still winning things at the same time not necessarily titles but you know even when we went in there in 89 we finished 12th in the league I think something like that, but we still won the FA Cup and the year, before, the year after that we finished about 8th but won the Cup Winners Cup against Barca and I think that was a turning point for us and I hope it's going to be the same for Liverpool this year uh, once we realised we could beat Barca the next year in training from pre-season it was just a different mindset a different belief you know that we can go and win the title. And I think that's hopefully with the same in Liverpool. Um, but I think in the last seven years, you, you're always trying to find that Sir Alex Ferguson. You're always trying to find that formula that can build Mate United again. And we tried it with Moyes. Moyes didn't have enough time, to be fair, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Van Gaal was probably never the right one because he was too much of a disciplinarian. You know, the players would never get on with him. Um, and Mourinho, to be fair, when you look at what he's done, won the FA Cup, you know, finished second, that looks quite good now, then it finishing second, you know, winning the Europa League and getting into the Champions League. It was a successful time, but there was something off the pitch that we weren't seeing. The players didn't look happy. Even when they were playing on the pitch, I mean, you're playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, I should be smiling, but, you know, when Martial scored, he just like, oh, I've scored, or they just didn't look happy, the whole team, and, um, you know, something was completely wrong. You know, Mourinho didn't move up there. He stayed in the hotel. Didn't take his fountain there. You know, then he started having a go at the press, and it was a press against him. And then all the stuff was coming out of Old Trafford that would never come out with under Sir Alex. It was always kept in house. You know, and, and I think you know all, all the dirty laundry was getting aired out in public. And then the issue with him and Pogba that kept going on and going on. It, it didn't seem right. There was issues there. You know that we weren't we, that we were aware of that shouldn't be coming out such a big club, or such a great club. Um, so it, 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 at the end of it, it was, it was going to see its time, you know. And you know it wasn't surprised when he left. Um, but you can't keep chopping and changing managers, you know. And that's what's so great about Liverpool with Klopp. You know what I mean? They've given time four or five years to build a team. Pep Guardiola four or five years to build a team. Are they going to give that to Chelsea? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And. Um, because what we've seen in United, we haven't seen any progression under Solskjaer. We saw it for the first 10 games, but admittedly, they, the fixture list was quite kind to him. You know, apart from the Tottenham game where they won 1-0, one, one but Tottenham should have won by five or six if it wasn't for the goalkeeper. Um, we haven't seen any progression. And I said, this year, 
you want to hit the ground running. And you thought Chelsea 4 0 at home, you thought, here we go. And then, since that, it's just gone, it's gone flat. It's gone really, really flat. And you look at the way they're playing, you know, and people say, yeah, they're a young team. And it's, but so Chelsea beat Southampton 4 1. So you can see where they're going, which is exciting. At the moment, you can't see where they're going. And this, and this is kind of what divides the fans, you know, because initially at the start, <coughs> excuse me, everyone was saying, yeah, 10 games, give Oli the job. And I was like, mm, no, let's just wait. You know what I mean? He's an interim manager. There's no rush. Let's wait till the end of the season. Do your research and see who else is out there. And if you go for Oli, then great. That's the decision you make. But to kind of jump into it straight away because of the start that he had against, no disrespect, they weren't the biggest teams in Cardiff and Huddersfield and teams like that. Uh, no disrespect to those teams. Um, you know, it was a little bit too soon. Um, and I said, you know, you know he, has to, he has to hit the ground running and, you know, we thought against Chelsea that was going to be the case. Um, but it was disturbing because after the Newcastle game, which kind of disturbed me when David Gea did his interview and, you know, he's meant to be, I mean, he's been here 10 years now or something like that, he's meant to be one of the leaders of the team. You know, he's seen the players come and go and he's seen what goes on at the training ground. And he, he didn't have any answers. You know, it was just like, I don't know. No. And it, it said to everyone, what is going on? You know, if that had been Peter Schmeichel or something, they'd have gone, Mike, we need to be doing this. That's not right. We need to change this. You have answers. And I think when you look at the two interviews with Ollie and David, yeah, there was no answers. We kind of, even Limbo, didn't know what... You know, he kept saying we need to work harder, need to work harder. But what, on what? Because we're not seeing what you're working harder on. Um, so everyone's kind of up in the air. You know, we don't know where mate and they are. And, you know, you kind of feel that... I wouldn't say Sunday's a massive game for Ollie. You know, you know I've got a lot of mate and friends and I've got a lot of Liverpool friends, you know, fans, I should say. Um, and the mate and fans are, oh, I hope we don't get walloped four or five. <laughs> you know... And Liverpool fans are like, yeah, we're going to beat them four or five. So you can see how the, the mindset have changed. I think, you know, mate night fans, or, or the ones that I know, if we get beat 2-1, that's respectable for, because of the way Liverpool, where Liverpool are and where mate United are. Um, and so Oli won't be judged on Sunday's game, whether they get beat or not. Um, but there's games after that where they go to Norwich, they've got Sheffield United. You know, they're the games that you expect them to win because I, 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 don't really, I don't care whether it's a young team on an old team, you know, if you're going to have to play for Mate United, you've still got to be getting results and you've still got to be beating the likes of Sheffield United and, and Norwich. And if you don't, then that's just going to hit more pressure on you. Um, so, you know, going back to that, I, I still feel they, they made their decision too hasty, but they've made it now. And then they, they need to come up and say what the plan is as he got the next three transfer windows so he can build a team because this is what they're saying, you know, or as he's not. And I think the next two or three results will, or games will tell us that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we head back to our chat with Paul Ince, time now to quickly check in with the odds ahead of Sunday's game. And joining us to do that is Amy Jones from Paddy Power. Amy, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, not so bad, thanks. And uh, looking at the match itself then, I would like to say that Liverpool must head to Old Trafford as favourites, do they? Yeah, I mean, you might like to say it. I'm a United fan, which means you probably have to kick me off. So I wouldn't like to say it. But yeah, Liverpool are the massive favourites for this one. They're four to six. Man United are around seven to two, and the draw is about eleven to four. But yeah, by far the favourites. And what what our traders have kind of said is all of the money is on Liverpool, like to the point where we we've, we've never really seen it like this, especially not at Old Trafford. And obviously, um, with Pogba looking like he's injured, De Gea obviously getting injured, there's just more and more bets coming in for Liverpool. 
Yeah, I bet. And with the uh, first goal scorer, Mark, you mentioned David De Gea looking as though he may be injured. I suppose that's being swamped by Liverpool players as well. Well, yeah. And also, who's scoring for United? <laughs> Who would you be betting on there? Um, but yeah, by far, the uh, the favourite to score first is Salah at 7-2. But in terms of our markets, it's Mane by far that's been attracting the most attention. He's 4-1. And something that really made me laugh is I said, oh, so what about for United? And they said, oh, the only people person that people are betting on is Harry Maguire. He's 30 to 1. So that shows you how bad things have got. <laughs> Certainly does. And talking of goals then, Liverpool, a fair few fancying Liverpool to perhaps rack up a few at Old Trafford. We don't often see that, but Liverpool to win by four goals. Have you got a market on sort of something like that? How many goals Liverpool could win this game by? Yeah, of course we have. So it's uh, to win by four or more is around ten to one. I mean, obviously the the same fixture last last year, which was the nil nil, they were so defensive, United, and I could see them doing that again. But it's just whether they'll hold up. So yeah, ten to one for four or more. And in terms of the Premier League title, obviously Liverpool leading the way right now. How is the market looking there? Because not too many people wanting to uh, count their, their chickens just yet in terms of Manchester City, of course, likely to uh, to come firing back. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting actually watching this one because Liverpool started the season at around 5-2, to two, second favourites, but they're now odds on 4-6. to six. Whereas like, even when City started to slip up a little bit and the result against Wolves, we still had them as the favourites. But now pretty much all the money's coming in for Liverpool, which is crazy. And it's very different to last season as well. So that's the Premier League title odds. But Manchester United, the waters they're swimming in right now, it could get choppy. Any chance of them going down? Well, this is a pretty this is a pretty interesting one. Um, so during the international break, actually United to be relegated has been one of our most popular bets in general on football, which is crazy. So clearly, a lot of people do think those waters are getting choppy, and we are still a hundred to one for it. So if we do lose out, there'll be a few million quid lost here. Unbelievable, Amy. Thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Amy Jones from Paddy Power. Well, for more, head to paddypower.com. Terms and conditions apply. It's 18 and above only. All odds are correct at the time of recording. Time now, though, to get back to our chat with Paul Ince. We spoke before about belief under Sir Alex when things clicked at Manchester United and went on to be the force they did. Liverpool obviously reached a number of cup finals under Klopp before winning the Champions League in the summer. Do you, do you see the hallmarks now of a side that is ready to, having laid the foundation... <coughs> Perhaps gone and dominate. Now. Oh, exactly. I, I, I wouldn't say dominate. I think dominate's the wrong word um, because you can never dominate when you've got teams like City, you know, chasing. But you know, you kind of think what Liverpool did last year, you know, to lose one game in the Premier League and and not win it, um, but was 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 ridiculous. It was amazing. But you know, it just shows the quality of City and the quality of those two teams. But what it shows me now is that after beating Tottenham in the Champions League, there's. I think the combination of that and obviously just losing out to City last year, last game of the season, I think that's given a greater belief to believe that they can go and win it this year. Um, and they've started, off, they've started off that way, haven't they? They really have. I mean, the record keep winning games and is, is phenomenal. And you have to grow into these situations. You have to learn from your experiences. You're good and you're bad. And that's what we did at United. You know, we, we learned from our experiences. Um, we became stronger and stronger each season. And that's why we start to dominate 92, 93, 94, doubles and that, because we learnt. But what we also did, we had the right personnel to come in behind us when we were gone. Something mate United haven't got. You know, when I, when I went to Manchester United, I had 
Ryan Robson, my idol, you know, I went to learn from Steve Bruce, Mark Hughes. You know, when they left and Giggsy and Beckham and Scalzi came in, they had me and Keeney and people I had to learn from. Now, these kids haven't got that, you know, they haven't got those leading characters. But when I look at Liverpool, I see leaders, I see characters, I see Henderson, even, you know, Van Dyke's coming, great by, best set half in the world for me. But not just from a player, but the leaders, you know, even Robertson, you see them having a go at people, pulling people around, you know what I mean? You should be here, you should be here. You don't see that in Man United. When they go goal down, everyone's just left to, the, to their own devices, and these are young kids, so it's not their fault. Um, so you can see the difference between the two teams, and I think this is something that I've been seeing in the last two years from Klopp. You know, the way he's built the teams, the way he's made a couple of mistakes, but then he's brought in the right players, he's brought in Wijnaldum, he's brought in Fabinho. You know, Cage has not really played a lot this year. You know, that's probably one that he's not too sure about, that's why he's not played a lot. Um, but it's, for me, it's just the complete team from back to front now. Van Dyke was massive. Um, Matchups just come in. He's still got Gomez to come back. You know, so it's not just the fact that he's got a good, a great eleven. He's also got people who can come in and do exactly the same jobs as as a midfielder. You know what I mean? Henderson doesn't play all the time. You know, so he's got it right. He's got it, got it right. And I, I just think the way they keep winning games and not necessarily playing well all the time. Even last year, those games where they didn't play well and got a point or something like that. Even the Leicester game. Score a penalty in the last the last minute, you know, and you kind of think things are happening for them, you know. I thought last year things were going to happen. There's there's a time in the league where you think you're getting decisions that kind of benefit you all the time, and you think it must be our year. You know, I mean, I saw that a lot with Liverpool last year, even at West Ham with the goal that Liverpool scored was offside, and the, you know things like that, and you think that's their year, and then to lose it like they did must have been soul destroying. But to have the character and belief this year to keep going back from where they left from and hit the ground running that's the word that I use hit the ground running and they've done it week in and week out they may not have done it for one game against Chelsea that was it Liverpool keep doing it and keep doing it uh, and they've got the right manager they've got the right manager in, 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 in control um, you won't let them get away with an inch she's always barking orders the passion the players love them they want to work hard for them um, and if he doesn't like something, you tell him. You know, and, and that's the sign of a good player because you get a reaction. When you tell a good player something, you get a reaction. And that's what you see at Liverpool. So they've got a nice little head start, eight points. I think they've revved that later on in the season. Um, but I, I truly believe this year. I always felt last year that Manchester City would win it. I said that. Uh, but this year, I, I've kind of, I truly believe Liverpool will win it. And on Jurgen Klopp as a manager, you've obviously been a manager yourself and had success as mm. a manager. How important is it that you get that dressing room, the mix of it right, and even when you're not there, it's self-policing itself, and you set it up like that, that it just breeds that success? Well, that's, 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 why, that's why you bring in the, the certain characters, you know, and, and I keep reverting back to Manchester United, and I shouldn't do, really, um, but it's like there was talk about Slatten coming back to Manchester United. You know, one is a prolific goal scorer, but two, he marshals the changing room. You know, that's this what they need. They need someone to control the change room. So when you look at Liverpool, you can imagine when Klopp's not there, the likes of Henderson, the likes of Van Dijk, you know, the, the, those type of people, um, they, they run it themselves. That's the, the, to be a successful team, you, should, you shouldn't have to rely on the manager to run the change room. That's down to your leaders, it's down to your captains, your vice-captains, you know, to make sure everyone's in line and no-one's getting carried away and no-one's talking about winning titles and winning this... You know, and Liverpool have got that. They've got that in, in, in abundance, and um, 
that's the good thing about it. You know, really, it's really so, it's so important because you, you know there's going to be times, bumpy times, you know, where you, you're not going to be confident as we said at United and you need someone to make sure that you're all singing from the home sheet, same hymn sheet. You're not slaughtering this player, you're not slaughtering the manager, you're not, you know, it's down to that. That's your change room, that's where you look after and if you've got the right people in there, then you'll be okay. You mentioned the modern day game and how it's changed, mm. especially like the midfield battles, but I suppose trying to put Paul Ince into one of these Liverpool Manchester United teams, mm. you'd obviously get in, but the way the midfield dynamic is... Of course I'll get in, obviously, of course I'll get in. But the midfield mm. dynamic is mm. really two in there now, but you look at mm. someone like Fabinho at mm. Liverpool and just how he, he seems to have that defensive midfield position on lockdown, basically. Well, I think, yeah, and I think when you kind of look at it, I think they thought uh, Nebby Kate was going to be the one. Didn't they? And you know, you kind of think when Fabinho came into Liverpool, it was like, well, he doesn't know what the expectations are from these teammates and then from Klopp, and that's why we, we're going to leave him out for a period of time, which they did. He came and played ten minutes, but you know, once he grasped it, you know, because listen, he was at Monaco, you know, he played centre half there, and so it's hard to make that transition. Um, but once he's grasped it, he's a perfect build, isn't he? You know, he's strong, he can pass. I like to see him get a bit forward a bit more I think, I think this is the thing I think when you kind of talk about the modern game you kind of have a designated position people talk about numbers he's a four he's a six he's, a, he's an eight never did that at United at Liverpool you know what I mean I, I was probably the more holding one because of like Sakini and Redknapp that, they wanted to get forward but I think as a holding midfield player you still have to pick your times when you go into the box six foot two six foot three Fabinho you know he's, as much as he sits there Fergie also, Fergie, Fergie also say to me, every first half, get yourself in the box two times. Just say to Keane, you sit, I'm going to go. Cause it stops, stop. If you think I'm going to sit there all the time, it's an easy job for you. One minute you say, man, I'm gone in the box and I score, that's your man. So that's something Fabinho's got to learn to his game. That's something like Declan Rice has got to learn to the game. Because you're just a sitting doesn't mean you've got to sit all the time. You use your attributes and get yourself in the box. Not all the time, but you can do it because you'll always have Henderson will sit there for you and so without him. So... But as far as coming in and doing a job, we always worried about him at the start because he wasn't playing. But now you, you, you can see he's so integral to what Liverpool do and he understands what Klopp wants, how the team plays. And, and you know, we always talk about the top three, you know, Firmino and Salah and Arnie, but, you know, you've got Vinaldum and Henderson and Fabinho, they've been outstanding. It's mm. been your two years at Liverpool, you scored near on 20 goals. Mm. I suppose it's the one area of this Liverpool team that midfield probably doesn't contribute enough goals mm. themselves. I think... That you're Liverpool fortunate in the fact that you've just got those three up top who will score you goals, you know, 20 goals a season. You know, and there again, it's, it's, you know, it's funny, every time I speak about Liverpool, it always makes me think about Mate United. You know, because we talk about goal scorers, you know, you talk about Salah, 20 odd goals, Sarney's uh, 20 odd goals, you know, Rashford got 11 goals last year in the Premier League, the highest. You know, Liverpool, Mate United ain't scoring any goals, haven't got a centre forward. Now, all the best teams have got people who score 20 goals a season. So when you look at the Liverpool front three, it's a case of, right, let them get on with it. You know, we're just sitting behind. You might get a, an Aldum who, who scores some goals. I mean, he's got scored two, two in the week against yeah. you know, two very good goals. Um, or you might get a Henderson who might pop up like he did last year at, at Southampton, making that long-busting run. Um, but no, mainly it's like, because you've got the full-backs bombing and all, it's like five, defend with five, so... It works, it works. But you're right, you know, sometimes you need the midfielders to get in the box and score goals. Um, and knowing Liverpool, it probably be right at the end of the season when I need to win a title where Fabinho might pop up or Henderson might pop up to win a title. It's that kind of way. 
But yeah, I think when you're scoring goals and you're playing the way Liverpool are playing, and you know they're, they're just a joy to watch. You know, I mean, they really are, and the consistency levels and the fact for me is that this Liverpool team very rarely never get injured. You look at the injuries that make United have time and time again. Shaw, Jones, Lingard, Martial. They're not just out for one week, they're out for four or five weeks. So there's an issue, there's an issue there with whatever they're doing at Manchester from a medical point of view, not just a recruitment point of view. But the way Liverpool play and they like the way Klopp wants them to play to press high and the fullbacks keep bombing on, you know, they're fit every week. The front three are fit every week. So that's got to be a credit. People don't look at that. You know, every week those front three play or the midfield play might chop one or two, but they're fit every week. And that's, that's, you've got to have that if you're going to win a title. Because if you go away from that, you might have Shakiri, probably not had chances that he should have had. Um, Origi is an impact player for me. But those three, three fit have to stay fit, and they've done it all the time. So if that's the case, they, they're going to win a title for me. You say when you look at Liverpool, you think of Man United. And obviously, everyone compares mm. the two sides because they're mm. great rivals. But when you do look at the sides, we always see these combined 11s. Could you genuinely see? Is there many Man United players you could see getting this Liverpool team? Should, should they be available? If Jurgen Klopp wanted to pick of any of them, what's the thought process in your mind regarding that? Well, I kind of look at it one or two ways. I think because Alisson's not played all season. So if I was going to pick. If you said to me, pick a combined team on form on their day, on their day, okay? Because you can say a certain player and say, well, he's not played well this season yet, but on his day, if he plays to how he should be playing, who would get into a combined team, then I think you'd have a, a debate between Alisson and David Aguirre. I think you would. Um, I think for me, I think the two fullbacks speak for themselves, Ben Arnold and Robertson. Um, for me, I'd go with Van Dijk, who's the best defender in the world, alongside Maguire. I think that. I think you'd probably go Ronaldum, you'd go Pogba, and you'd go either Fabinho or Henderson. But you'd definitely go Pogba in there, that's for sure. Um, and up three, you've got the Liverpool front three. And maybe Rashford on his day could probably come in for Fabinho or something like that. You know, uh, that would be me looking at it now. If I look back at it 15, 20 years ago, We'd be sat in a pub all day, all night, debating. You know what I mean? Which, which one you want? No, would you have Giggs, would you have Chelsea, would you have McManaman, would you have Fowler? You know, it'd be a debate for a long time. This is where we are now. It's not even, it's not even a debate. Now we're trying to think, well, which players could get in now? I've just named four. You know, that might, I mean, for me, two guaranteed would be uh, Maguire and Pogba. But then again, you're saying the other two, maybe. That can't be right because normally, in the Mate United team, Liverpool team, you have four or five, six Mate Uniteds and five Liverpool would be pretty close. This is where Mate United at this moment, and this is where Liverpool are at this moment. Well, just to finish off then, Paul, we've got some mm. quick fire questions, just mm. ten of them as it were. First one up, your best Liverpool goal? It'll have to be the one against Mate United in the FA Cup at the Cop. 2 2, scored on the last minute. And you gave it some after the game as well, aren't you? Eh? I seem to remember you gave it some after. Yeah, I did. I keep running. Like, you remember that? I keep, I keep running. Yeah. I was actually buzzing until I realised I had to go back to Old Trafford next week, but it was OK. Um, in terms of Liverpool, the best player that you played with, trained with at the club? Um, so playing, training, it'd have to be Steve McManaman. I, I think he, he, he was. He, he, he was. He could run. He was like Forrest Gump. Honestly, he used to do running around the pitch and he used to like. I wasn't the greatest runner, um, 
not because I couldn't run, but because I just didn't like, mentally I couldn't keep going round and round and round, it just destroyed me. But Maka was just like up the front, and then he'd stop and wait for me, and have a little chat, and then he'd come back and lap me and lap me. And <laughs> he was unbelievable. Now, he scored a goal against Celtic, you know, I don't remember it, when he ran from the halfway line and at Parkhead, and he, it was amazing. He was a fantastic player, he really was. His feet were quick, uh, lovely guy, great trainer, had a laugh, he was perfect. Interesting one then, mm. Manaman or Giggs? Good question, that. I think um, you've got to go for Giggsy, without a doubt. I think Giggsy was... Things I'd probably play Giggsy on the left and Mac on the right, so that's, that would be my two, two wingers. But I think when you talk about longevity of a player, and, you know, I saw Giggsy come on the scene when he was, like, 16, 17, um, and some of the things that he, he was doing, he, he was, like... I was just like, it was something like you'd never seen before. It's like, you, you know... And he, he was just amazing, he really, really was. The way he used to beat players, he could get in behind, he could come short, he'd spin you off. Um, and to play for the amount of times that he played and the honours that he won in the, in, the, in the Premier League. And even when he had to kind of revert back into a central midfield role in his later days, he still had the brain to do that. But, I mean, I was fortunate to see him come on the scene and he, he was extra, extra special. I think you might have alluded to this before, but your most treasured moment as a Liverpool player? Um, you know, I think my probably most treat was my first game at home against Leicester. I was the captain in the team, you know, so that, that was a great honour for me to captain the great Liverpool team. And um, in the Leicester game, so I scored in that and all, 1-1. Uh, so I think you always your first game, you know, captain in the team and scoring. I think that was my, for Liverpool, that was probably the best moment for me. Another comparison of players you played with, Fowler or Cole? Um... Robbie Fowler. I call him God. We all call him God. Because he was just... I mean, he was one of those... I think Andy Cole was more one of those fox-in-the-box strikers. Uh, Robbie Fowler could score all types of goals. I remember God we scored against Villa. Our folly. Just smashing the top-man corner. Right foot, left foot, headers. I mean, just watching him in training was just an education to see. And he was so... So composed about his finishing, you know what I mean? I mean, he's got a hatchet against Arsenal in about four minutes, something like that. He was one of those players that when he was in front of goal, you turn back and walk to the halfway line. Because you knew he'd score, you just wait for the war. You know, that, that's, how he, that's how he was. Coley was more fox in the box, that type of stuff, but Bobby Fowler for me all day long. Another player to play for both clubs, Michael Owen, Liverpool legend, yes or no? Yes, definitely. Why, 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 why would he not be? I, I, I know, it's funny though, because... I know Liverpool fans, and I because he grew up in Liverpool, and you know, for him to make that step to go over to Manchester, I know for them it seemed a bit of a betrayal, you know. Um, but I, I, I don't see it that way. I, I kind of feel that a player's career is really short, you know, and once you finish your career, who knows what you're going to do? We've seen it so many players who finish football, like fall by the wayside and they get depressed and a lot of run out of money and all that type of stuff. So, you know, I feel as much as it's about playing football, you've still got to make a living before you can't make a living. Uh, fortunately, Michael's gone into punditry now, so he's not too bad. Um, so if he's got a chance of going to Manchester United, I don't think anyone else would turn that down. I, I don't think you can say, well, because my relationship with the Liverpool fans should stop me from going to one of the biggest clubs in the world. I know Liverpool fans will see it different because I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan. You know, I'm a footballer. You know, when people say, do I support? I don't support anybody. I grew up as a West Ham boy, so that's my team I supported. But since I became a footballer, I've stopped being a fan. 
You know, so, and I think for, for as a footballer, you go and play for the club that you think you want to play for. Same way I left into Man, I wanted to go and play for Liverpool. Um, but what Michael's done for Liverpool, you know, he's always got to be put down as a legend. And you can't say that fact because he went to make United, he should lose that title. And that's my outlook on it. Best delivery, Trent Alexander-Arnold or David Beckham? David Beckham. No, that's, not even, that's, that's, that's not even a question. That's not, you, you can't even answer me that. You can't even, David Beckham was the best crosser I've ever, ever seen. I don't care what anyone says. Listen, Trent's only still young. But when you talk about delivery, you talk about free kicks, you talk about... I used to watch David Beckham all the time. After every training session, he used to take an hour. Balls on the right, balls on the centre, balls on the left. And he used to do it every day. For making out for England, um, he could beat people. He didn't have to beat people, David Beckham. He just whipped things round and... It wasn't just the fact that he's quality, it was doing it at the pressure moments, you know what I mean, against Greece, you know what I mean, qualify, top man corner, last minute in the game. You know, he, he was a specialist. I've never seen anyone do what he does, and I don't think... And I've seen some players, I've played with Zola, played with Mancini, I mean, played with Roberto Carlos at Inter, he were not too bad neither. Uh, so I've played with a lot of specials with Dan. So I've seen a lot of special players, but for me, Bex does all of them. And final one, best atmosphere, Anfield or Old Trafford? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I, I, I think Liverpool, European nights, you can't beat them. I really, really do. Um, I think they're special. Um, and I think it's quite iconic about that, having a European game at Anfield, all the flag. I think it's amazing. I think the atmosphere depends on the team, doesn't it? You know, I think when we look at Old Trafford, because it's so vast now and so corporate, you know, it's not the atmosphere that you do get at Liverpool. You know, I love the Liverpool people, that's why I live in the Wirral. You know, um, you know the working class people, they come and support the team, they know football, they back their players. You know, but one thing about the two teams, you never really see them boo their players off, or very rarely, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I've been at a lot of clubs and I've experienced a lot of uh, fans that when they want a player off, they kind of shout, like when he comes off, they clap us. Get rid of him. You don't see that Liverpool. I think they're understanding fans, um, and so I make United fans. So I think they're different atmospheres in different ways. Um, but I think I like the way Liverpool look after their players, look after their own, because that's why Liverpool is as, as, as a city. They look after their own. And whether you come from Timbuktu or you know Mate United like I did, they still look after their own because you're one of them. Um, and that's what I like about them. Can it be Anfield title race as it goes on? Can Anfield be? I suppose somewhat like a, a secret weapon almost for Liverpool. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I kind of felt last year they weren't to a certain degree. And I can understand why because they haven't won it since 1990. And there's such this, you know, they've gone through the, the Brendan Rodgers when they should have won it. Um, and they're so, they won it that bad. It's like the Holy Grail to Liverpool fans at the moment. Um, and I thought last year, maybe subconsciously, I don't know, but. You could sit, sense the nerves in the stadium. You really, really could have, when, when they drew against uh, Leicester last year. You can sense it, you know what I mean? When the pitch was, well, so-called a bit slow and all that stuff. And, that, you know, club was making excuses and you can't make excuses, you know, it's the same for both teams. So you could sense the nervousness in the stadium. Um, I think if they can conduct themselves in a different way this year, um, then I think they can be the 12th man. I really think they can. They normally are. They normally are. But I think... Because I live in the Wirral and I live around Liverpool fans, um, they're like, you can still sense when I talk to them, they're still kind of nervous already. We're not halfway through the season. Are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? And I mean, they're nervous already. 
Um, and you know, if City, you know, City going to come back at them. You, you know that. But if the bigger, the bigger they can make the gap, the harder it's, it's going to be. You know, so you know, fingers crossed. You know, Liverpool can do it this year. Paul Lynch speaking to Blood Red ahead of Sunday's match. We've still got plenty to come across the Blood Red channel ahead of the game itself. Poetry in Motion and Analysing Anfield will both be here on Thursday for you. The Blood Red podcast will react to Jurgen Klopp's press conference and more on Friday. And then, of course, on the game itself, we'll head behind enemy lines pre-game. And, of course, the post-game pod will bring you all the reaction that you need. That's it for now, though, here on Blood Red. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.